0: you're listening to a podcast from the media motel coming up this week in episode
1: 633 the revival of gladiators why madonna needs a map the return of black grape and farewell to david soul and annie nightingale that's all coming up after
0: soul asylum and somebody to shove
2: The guitar work on that now a staggering 30 years old it didn't make the billboard chart but reached number 32 here in the uk from 1992 soul asylum and somebody they shove
1: yeah indeed I, I do like soul asylum they're one of those bands who every time i hear something by them i think oh i like this yes. and then i just forget to listen to them again so a good reminder that i should listen to more soul asylum
2: welcome to the parish council it's episode 633 I'm Terence Dackham, and with Jose Mourinho getting sacked in Italy, speculation is rife. <laughs> Has she been approached to manage Roma? Let's ask Juliet Harris.
1: I have hello. I have not sadly. Oh, Having gosh. said that, I did recount to two uh, people I was with a couple of weekends ago of a lovely uh, mini break I had in Milan oh. with, um, with with a friend of mine years ago. Now I was trying to remember what it would have been. It would have been about two 2000- thousand. I can't remember if it was two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight, but it was around then. And we, I went with my friend Helen from Law College. I think it was would have been two thousand and seven because we'd not long left Law College. I think so. it went 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 off and. Um, and we went out to a bar on on, you know just a quietish place on a sunday evening i think it was and we um we bumped into the we met these blokes who were sweet workers from a Swedish power plant who were on their annual works outing. They were incredibly friendly people. And at the end we got on we had a very nice evening with them. And at the end the barmaid took a photograph of us all together. And we've often speculated if we can still be found on like the notice board of a yeah. power plant in Sweden yeah. somewhere. So hello, um Kim Henkenko, if you're listening, which you <laughs> might not be, I sense, but anyway, they their annual works outing was they would go and see a sort of a, a big football match in Europe right. every year. So they would tell us about the match they had gone to see. And they were going to see AC Milan were playing Roma that oh. weekend, I think. So they were over. So every time I hear the words Roma, I think not of stroppy emo Jose, <laughs> but I think of our pals from the Swedish power plant. They told us that they asked us whether we thought it was sensible for them to go to the Old Firm derby next year. And we did explain to them that they, they might have to steal themselves a bit. I, uh, looking back on it now, I regret we were able to take them up on their invitation to go around the San Siro Museum with them the next day. I Ooh. wish we'd done that. I bet yeah. that would have been really fun anyway, been? perhaps in another reality. But anyway, in short, um, mm. despite having made good having made good brief pals with people that went to watch a Roma match once, I have not been approached to manage Roma. Right. I'm sad.
2: disappointed you haven't been shortlisted, but I mean, there's still time. Aren't, we all,
1: aren't we all? Hello, everyone.
2: Um, and uh, well, now, Jules, last week I stopped you and the listener in your tracks by throwing an unexpected one question quiz at you.
1: Yes, you did, um, it, which it, I can't even remember now. It's it been such a long week. related to
2: Simple Minds, who, who sat next to uh, Matey Boy when, he was, when, when Jim Kerr, when they were at school. And you may remember it was Alan Brazil. It
1: so. was, mm-hmm. yes, unexpectedly.
2: Well, here we go again, because I have another multiple choice, one That's question by quiz. That's
1: here we go again. But yeah, it's probably not the question, is it, anyway, so carry
2: on. Not the question, no. Um, one question quiz for you and the listener. Um, here it is. Remember, there'll be four multiple choice options for uh, both the listener and you, and um, it relates to a, a person that we are going to be talking about a little bit later as well. Because mm, I, 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 I'm rather sure you were aware of the popular musician David Bowie.
1: Yes, I'm I'm familiar with his of. work. Yes. yes.
2: Perhaps also his song "Sound and Vision" from nineteen sixty-seven. Yes. Here's Indeed. the question with four possible answers, on David Bowie's single mm. "Sound and Vision." Who sings backing vocals? Is it Laurie Anderson and Lou Reed, Kate Bush and Mick Ronson, Mary Hopkin and Brian Eno, hmm. Cher and Bing Crosby?
1: I think. It's, I think it's, what was the second option, Kate Bush and? Kate Bush and Mick Ronson. I think it's that. I'm going to go for that.
2: It's such a rarity that I catch you out. It's a joy. Oh, who
1: was it?
2: It was Mary Hopkin and Brian Eno.
1: I did not know that. That is fascinating.
2: Mary Hopkin married at the time to Tony Visconti. I
1: did not know that. That is very interesting.
2: They have two children together. Goodness Uh, me. Morgan Visconti and Jessica Lee uh, Visconti. Um, Mm. I I
1: had
2: when um, I saw you pick uh, uh, David Bowie. later on for us to talk about Mm. it reminded me um something i've sort of half forgotten i had supper a couple of times with tony visconti back in the 90s um because we were near neighbors at the time and we'd met Mm. a couple of um sort of dinner party type things, though I loathe the very uh, essence of dinner parties, but as sort of get-togethers. And we, we had supper a couple of times at a pub in Twyford near Henley. It was called The mm. Bull or The Bear or something. But I, I got a little story about it because I wish I had recorded some of the, the stories he told me about Mark Bolan. Mm.
1: Oh, wow, yeah.
2: But I do remember feeling really disappointed at his description of Bowie's lyric writing process at the time of uh, sound and vision and, you know, the the, the Berlin triptych and, you know, the the middle period Bowie, because television company told me that Bowie would often turn up to record the lead vocal and everything else had been done and still hadn't written the lyrics. And at the last moment he would like look out of the window and pick up on something they could see out of the window and scribble some words down based on wow. what looking at. And I just wanted it to be more prof- profound than that. I wanted the words to be sort of half, I wanted to think that David bowie like you know, sitting at a desk and written and rewritten the words to these songs, you know, with great meaning. Um, uh, you know, and for some time, yeah, be, to be deeply meaningful, but apparently I'd not I'd, so ra-
1: I'd, I'd rather enjoy that, actually. I quite like the, uh, the casualness. And actually, Sound and Vision itself it's such a beautifully casual song it's so airy there's so much space in there isn't it that actually it sort of makes sense for that song really um i wonder if heroes was written in the same way or if you thought more about that i I don't know probably
2: was i might do a bit of research on that it's Um, interesting to know
1: yes that's your homework for this week visit in the future weeks
2: Before we get to talking about the reboot of the TV series Gladiators, we Mm. must pay tribute to presenter Barney Walsh, who must have gone through a rigorous audition (laughs) and interview process to be offered the role of co-presenter alongside his father, Bradley Walsh. It's quite the coincidence I there. Isn't I mean, it? you know,
1: the, of all the people, all the gin joints in all yes. the world, he happened to walk into that arena. What a surprise anyway. it must have
2: been to both of them to find that they had both it, been It uh... is,
1: although not a, not a, a surprise to find Bradley Walsh presenting something. No, Does he, he, he ever do anything it. else? Although, no. as we were going to speak, oh, we're going to speak about. It. There's a reason that people keep booking him. So, uh, so always nice. You know, perhaps at least they could travel together in the same car, couldn't I they? I guess so a bit
2: of money saving there for exactly. uh, for the BBC. Um, Gladiators originally aired in the UK in 1992 on ITV. It Sky is. produced a revival that I'd long forgotten in 2008, 2009.
1: Yes, for 2009. good reasons,
2: because it was not good. Oh, right. And now BBC One is having a punt in 2024. Mm. Critical reception has been very positive. The Guardian described episode one as phenomenal. Um, Gladdy brilliant, said The Sun, which, of course, they would. Uh, and oh, a of a smash hit said richard osman um what did juliet think juliet are you ready
1: hey yes yes, john anderson
2: two (laughs) one go
1: I I did indeed, as the uh, the the thing she'd asked you, do you feel the power of the gladiators? <laughs> yes, I did, I have to say. Hmm. Um so I watched the original run as a as an eight I was eight when the original run of Gladiators started, right. and I absolutely loved it. ITV, Saturday at uh, tea times and early evenings, it was just the best. I was me and my hmm. friend were remembering what the lineup was, and we can't quite remember the order, but I think it went The A-Team, Baywatch, Gladiators, and then Blind Date or something similar afterwards. And it really was the ultimate kind of trash (laughs) TV. It was so good. And I loved Gladiators at the time. And so I was very excited when this came back. And... Just the, the opening notes of the theme tune. I have, my hairs are sort of standing on end. The thing I loved about this was they didn't change anything. Apart from the presenters, virtually word for word. And And in a way, it was like it had never been away. And I think they realised the best thing you can do with gladiators is leave it off air for long enough that everyone's forgotten about it. And then if you bring it back, this is where take that was so shrewd as well. When they had their comeback, Mm. they could turn from boy band to man band in sort of 2010 onwards. What they realized was their fans the, their female fans have grown up and they had children of their own who would they would then take with them to gigs I know loads of people that go and see take that I know three generations of the same family three female generations of the same family once see take that together mm-hmm. and I think Gladiators is similar because when mm-hmm. I because I'm, I'm you know in my late, very late 30s the latest 30s you can get as my friend rather unchivalrously put it the mm-hmm. other day but anyway and so I've got lots of friends of a similar sort of vintage when I posted my excitement of Gladiators coming back it was telling that a number of Said, oh yes, I'm watching it this with my kids this evening, and I think the the BBC have realised that this is this does qualify as family entertainment now, and that actually the parents of the family were the people that enjoyed it the first time round. Um, I thought it was perfectly pitched in that I thought it didn't take itself too seriously but it took itself just, just seriously enough Um, I thought that they kept the format pretty much the same there were a few new sort of games or things they made people do but that terrible terrible escalator that doesn't have any steps on it that's going backwards <laughs> the Eliminator that's a real anxiety tra- dream yeah, isn't it <laughs> the Travelator at the end of the Eliminator at the end which is kind of the world's most terrible sort of obstacle course and like you say, yes, the everyone's airport anxiety dream at the end, which not only do you have to get up that when it's going backwards, you don't have to go on a road and swing through a piece of paper as well. It's it's. I mean, you could say it still beats check in at Terminal 5. But anyway, it's Um, I love this. I thought it was great. The thing that I love the most about it and I think it was like this the first time round as well. The there were a few there were a couple of preening pantomime villain men in the um I can't remember which one it was one of them kept posing um but mostly. It was also good natured. The contestants were really cheery. I loved the fact that they that like the original ones actually, they were mostly work uh, what I thought were pretty working class, what I call normal people. I loved the fact that one of them it showed how it was modernised for the modern world and I'm sure this will upset sort of the Daily Mail, etc., which is also very pleasing in my view, when one of the women that was asked why she applied and she said, No, my wife applied for me and I thought, She's yes, one in of your people. Yeah. Yes, in your face, Daily Mail. You probably hated. That and you know, it's wokeness gone mad. No, her wife just applied for her to go on gladiators anyway. Um, the, the gladiators were often very complimentary about their opponents, everybody was quite nice at the end. The, the 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 sort of contestants, the opposing contestants cheered each other to the finish. I thought it was a really fun, it, you know. It, I, I i accept that this is not you know, this is not arena, this is not this is not imagine <laughs> with and Yentov, this is not the most intellectual <laughs> thing you'll ever come across, but I thought in terms of daft satire night entertainment that was good-natured and i also very much enjoyed you know the don't try this at home <laughs> well they, before the running the gauntlet barney said you know don't try this at home and to which i very much enjoyed bradley Wall saying, yes for those of you that have got a giant suspension bridge in your front <laughs> room please don't do this at home yes i don't think he meant that bradley but anyway i thought it was i thought it was really fun I'm glad that these kind of shiny floor style things still exist. It was harking back to me to a a good old fashioned age of good quality Saturday night TV. It serves a purpose. And I thought it was done really well.
2: I agree with you. The BBC did really well not to tinker with it. I think Mm. that was the best decision they could have made if they they tried to update it. it yeah absolutely had all the hallmarks of the original very shouty excitable presentation yes. very colourful set as you say simple format Um, yeah al- although gladiators of course originated in America this was a very British affair I thought with Mark Plattenberg yes. with his yes. Northeast accent refereeing you know and yes. uh, match of the days Guy Mowbray commentator yes and um,
1: actually really taking the commentary seriously oh well yes, I enjoyed.
2: yes yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah as you say four consistence two men and two women and the most likable well, was, the lady you referred to, Kerry, the, whose wife, yes. um, you know, pitched her for it. I, took it I against, thought
1: they were all nice, actually. But, well, I took, took against,
2: against... Finlay, one of the oh, men. Dear. I took against him, um, Finlay, because right, he, he was rather desperately trying to become a personality, although perhaps angling ah, at yes, a slot okay. on Big, Ruth, Big Brother or Love Island. But, you no, know, this was old-fashioned tea-time entertainment, as you say. Perhaps I'm not really the audience for Gladiators, but I wouldn't turn it off if I was in a room and it was on. Um, it, it, and it, I, I can see the appeal of it. I really can it's, you know, you you it it wasn't, as you say, it um, wasn't gonna tear your brain in half. You just sort of sat right. there and absorbed <laughs> it. Um I, as so often I felt it was a little too long at an hour. I think it, it it could have been punt bit punchier in forty, forty-five minutes. But
1: forty-five I, might I mean if it if it was on a TV with adverts, then it would have been forty six minutes.
2: This is very true. This is so work. true. So
1: maybe it felt longer because when it yeah, was on ITV you would think have had adverts. That's it. Mm.
2: I think they'll they'll have to work hard to establish the gladiators themselves, as you indicated there, because initially you know, I think it was Viper, but we we, you know, we couldn't mm. remember there who was the baddie. Yes, and that's because yes. they've got to really work throughout the series to establish the individual nature mm. of the gladiators. And well, they're, they're all new,
1: aren't they? So, and, and, and seem the original... dozens
2: of them, but there yes. were there were sixteen in fact, and as yes. you say, they're all new. Um, and the but, original,
1: yeah, it goes to show how good the original gladiators were, were that I can remember most that original lineup and actually yeah, one of the one of the the she was still technically a first generation gladiator because i think they either expanded them or she replaced someone else rio from gladiators was a paramedic that went to my secondary school albeit oh, really a never. few years above me yes mm. with we, we the thin pickings from my secondary school alumnus but yes uh rio from gladiators being one of them no i agree with you They they obviously need to work during the series but um yeah it was it was I, oh, an in, interesting sidebar to this hmm. um, do you remember old Wolf from Gladiators oh, yes, I remember who Wolf. was like yeah. the the you know sort of one of the, the big breakout star you would yes. say originally um, Michael Van Wyck in real life oh. who is now 71 years old oh. Oh. well very <laughs> recently well hence why he's not appearing in Gladiators having right. said this yeah. do you, you, you're familiar with the Korean smash hit TV series Squid Game that was yes, on yes
2: I've heard of it yes well they've made it. A
1: real life version of Squid Game, admittedly not quite with the same endings. No one gets killed if they if they get knocked Good, out. But so yeah. they've made a proper sort of game show of it. Michael Van Wick was it went out in the first round. He ended it as a oh, contestant at the oh, age of seventy one. So I'm glad um, that Wolfram Gladiators is still is still um He's probably still, not
2: quite so scary these days at seventy one. I, but I
1: think he was always a very nice man. I can yeah. I can remember that he used to do a lot of um like children's hospice things and things. Yes, like, I yes think he that's was actually, right. I, I think he was actually that. Yes. one of them. I think it's Cobra. Um is now in is now in the church. I think one of them is now involved with York Cathedral. Oh, um, no. One of because I was reading an article in there was a lovely article about the original gladiators and one of them, I can't remember which one, is in, it is a priest or or is some sort of ordained and is involved in in York Cathedral. I think so. It just goes to show where the original gladiators ended up, sort of uh, spread mm. here, far and uh, far and wide indeed well
2: um it, well good luck of course the gladiators and all the yes. sailing here it's on bbc one as juliet said on saturday at tea time and then it's on catch up on the bbc iplayer yes. coming right up hello cleveland and also the return of black grape <laughs> uh, that's next after bar Italia.
3: your pretentious way
1: Now, this band have been rather hammered on BBC Six Music um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of them and their sort of uh, their sound um, they were noted as a new act to watch by the Faced magazine and they were number one in the rising stars to look out for in 2023 listing by the Times they've been played a lot on Six Music although I have to say I would like this lot because of their sound and it did make me laugh the ever excellent Lauren Laverne playing this uh, it might have been the single after this one um, back announced it by saying um, This band apparently get very frustrated by the constant comparison to the 90s, says a band with guitars in called Bar Italia. Anyway, um, I I really like their sound, um, and that song has been played a lot on the radio on Six Music, and um, it's one of those catchy songs that just seems to burrow itself into my brain. comes from their album The Twits, which came out very late last year in uh, November 2023, recorded in their home studio in Mallorca, of all places. Um, That was the opening track, from that album that is my little tony
2: i hadn't heard that before today and i really like it good isn't it it's got a really
1: cool kind of vibe
2: absolutely i wonder what the original bar italia in soho think about this new use of their name i wonder if they're aware of it
1: although having said that of course it was the bar italian was originally used um on different class by pulp that is i think the closing track on different class by pulp hence why the sort of 90s Referencing, or rather, the sort of chuckling at the nineties antipathy from them by Dawn the Verme, because because yeah. Bar Italia by Pulp is named after Bar Italia, so um, so, yeah. so so yes, there but I think are. perhaps they're used to it by now.
2: <laughs> okay, fair enough. there's a moment in um, in Spinal Tap where the band get lost in a maze of corridors under the stage, and they keep forlornly shouting "Hello Cleveland" <laughs> in, in, in anticipation of ever reaching the stage. Uh, this week, Madonna had a Similar but more excruciating experience, she ran on stage and shouted, Are you ready, Boston? Only to realise she was actually in <laughs> Toronto, Canada, um, with her touring schedule. Shook, um, um, Jules, you, you, possibly easy to get distracted, but what do you think a roadie might have the job of holding up a huge card at the side of well, the stage, actually <laughs> shouting and showing the name of the city that
1: they're well, in? Well, quite. There is a lovely bit in a. There's a lovely bit in the Simpsons as far as involving. There's an episode of the Simpsons with t- Spinal Tap playing themselves, or rather, the people that play Spinal Tap playing themselves, and. Um, um, they, they go on stage and um, one of them says, we were told we were in Shelbyville the other day and everyone boos. And and they said they rock the most, but nobody rocks like. And at which point the guitarist who is speaking looks at the back of his guitar and it has there's a piece of paper with Springfield taped to it. <laughs> and he goes, Springfield rocks. And everyone goes nuts. Of course, this when it all goes horribly wrong and they have to leave the leave the stage. And the singer says disconsolately Good night, Springdon There will be no encore. So, um, so, so if it happens to the greatest rock band of a *Spinal Tap* all time, well, it will ha- happens to all of us. Yes, you would think, wouldn't you, that someone would point out where they are? I mean, I know this is not the world of music, but this reminds me of the world of politics and. The sort of that very weird week—I can't remember if it was just before or just after the referendum. I think it was just before the referendum in 2016, and Mr. Jeremy Corbyn's leadership of Labour and his ever-changing shadow cabinet, was, mm-hmm. as more and more people kept giving up and leaving, and Pat Glass was very briefly Education Secretary. And I say very briefly for a number of days, I think, and she, um, <laughs> she was, she went to, on to she, she was interviewed somewhere. And um, and 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 said, you know, I, I complained about having been confronted by someone she claimed was racist in the street, and she then said the immortal line, "I'm never coming back to wherever this is." And and I thought, <laughs> oh god, someone's doorstep, her. It's a terrible thing to say, but maybe someone. No, she said that in a local radio station, so um, I don't quite know how she got there. But anyway, I do love the idea of uh, people getting things wrong. Um, I saw Sleater Kinney, the the the, the mm. female rock band, play. In in brighton i'm trying to think when this would be 2004 i reckon probably um at, at hove old market lovely venue and um. Remember them? Um, them uh, the two singers speaking on stage, and and um, corinne Tucker saying that they were playing in Austria somewhere, and she tried to ingratiate uh, the crowd by saying hello, but said hello in Swedish instead. <laughs> uh, at which point Cor- <laughs> Carrie Brownstein then interjected and said, "No, I think it was when you called them Germans that you really peed them off." <laughs> so uh, so it can happen to the best of us, clearly. Um, it is difficult when you when you're on big old tours. And like like Madonna, you know, you literally see a bus, don't you? You see a bus and then you might you might know where you are. You might get an hour off to go and sit in the town square of wherever it is you are. But having said that, you still might not know where that is. Many town squares look like each other. I know this shows much ignorance about the geography of of, of the beautiful cities of Europe for me, but If you went to a town in Britain, said he, and you got dumped in a shopping centre of a town and a high street what how how long would it take us to work out where we are quite a long time most places most i mean i know that all the shops are closing now but most places have got a wh smith and an evans and a and a greg because haven't they i mean i'm not sure i could tell where i was if you put a blindfold on me drove me in the back of a car for three hours and then went here you are and your are ladies down it would, you know the people i mean i can't imagine madonna being a person that would seek out her local tourist information center <laughs> <laughs> You know, she's not gonna be like me the first thing you do when you get to town is right. where's tourist information, let's go and get a map I don't think that's Madonna on tour somehow, so, um and also you know, she's got, it's one of these things it, it's just frustrating, she's probably got 250 people working on those shows you think one of them could tell her where she was oh, although, God. I don't know anyway, perhaps it is, perhaps it's difficult when you are a cosseted rock star and you literally see, see bus you, you probably never see the outside, do you, but um all I can say to Madonna is, investigate your local tourist information centre they're really
2: good <laughs> That's a handy tip. i saw the exact opposite of this about 18 months ago when we went to see lindsey buckingham at, uh, oh, yeah. at uh, the palladium remember we talked about it do, yes and um uh, uh, Lindsay buckham He didn't say much between the songs for about the first three quarters of the show. He warmed up a bit towards the end, but he didn't say much. All he said between almost every song was, "All right, London. Hello, London. Let's go, <laughs> London." And I, I said to um, Hill next to me, "I said, you know, I, I think you know, he's made it pretty clear. You know, we're in London. Thank <laughs> you. We, you know, we kind of gathered that, but." Um,
1: no, I, I, maybe that I mean, maybe that was him attempting to lodge it in his brain. I don't know. Yes,
2: perhaps so. Yeah, it was like the exact opposite. You know, he was overdoing it. But we know that um, Barbara Streisand and Diana Ross—they both use auto cue on stage. Yes, um, which is fair enough. Paul McCartney and Mick Jagger don't. But I, and I suppose it's personal choice. But I think yes. it's probably Brian sensible. Wilson did.
1: When, we, when I saw him, which made sense.
2: Yeah I think it's, it's, it's quite sensible Really Particularly As an, an artist Gets older To have some yes. sort of Form of visual prompt To remind them Where they are And of course In Barbara Strauss and Diana Russ's case as well The lyrics they have uh, Coming yes. across on the screen But even to this day I, I was thinking You know You see yourself The number of gigs You go to Bands fix the set list To the floor On the stage Next yes. to the, the tape it Next to the microphone Stands yes. to remind And them then everyone Shoves
1: each other Out the way To get
2: one the To Friday, get one At I the mean, end yeah. That's right So Oh, Madonna, she just needs a card taped to her bottom of a mic stand just saying, remember, you're in Toronto, you know?
1: Yes, I, I remember that. That was by Mike Bat. That song, wasn't it? Well, I remember, with the, with...
2: you're in Toronto. It
1: almost fits. I, I saw. Interestingly, I saw Frank Black of the Pixies when he was Frank Black and the Catholics doing solo things. It Was not very long before the Pixies reformed in Norwich and again about 2002, 2003, I think. And they played at the at a mid-ranking. I, I still can't believe it. I saw Frank Black in a in a in a venue that could see that could feel about 800 people. And I don't think it was full. And we we stood on the front row and Frank didn't speak much between songs but he no. did say he would said that he'd had a nice afternoon, it was nice to be in Norwich he had a nice afternoon, he'd had a pint of Guinness in a, a local pub which he named which genuinely was a couple of streets away and he said and I didn't fall in the river and mm. the reason he'd said that was I think a couple of days before someone had been found in the oh. river very nearby to the venue, the venue was called the Waterfront I think yeah. and um, and so someone said to me well Frank's clearly had time to read the paper and generally. Up on local events, hasn't he? Whilst having his Guinness in the ferry boat, so uh, so yeah, I, I admired Frank Black, Frank Black of all people, you know, but mad sort of uh, Black Francis, you know, the mad mm, overlord of the pictures, is. having a very pleasant afternoon in Norwich and having time to read the Eastern Daily Press. So <laughs> it can be done. Take note, Donna.
2: Now whisper it quietly, but I rather preferred Black Grape to the Happy Monday. So that's, a, that's or, an interesting opinion. It's a, a big statement, isn't it? Well, at least I saw Black Grape. But- as an excellent progression on, I suppose. Yes. I, I love the kind of big audio dynamite style of yes, fusing rock true. and funk mm. and sampling together. Well, 28 years um, now since the wonderful debut album with the possibly ironic title, It's Great When You're yes. Straight, yeah. Um, number one in the UK and contained three hit singles. Still sounds great today. Um, mm. Now they're back again, Jules. A fourth album recorded near Granada in Andalusia uh, with youth producing. Are, are you a fan mm. of. Ba- a black grape.
1: Yes, I do. I am rather partial to a bit of black-gray, but actually, so I remember years ago, but long before his unfortunate descent into fascism, um, and that's a a sentence you can say with a straight Mm -hmm. bat, isn't it? Morrissey had a habit of auditioning people for his band, and part of the audition process was you were asked what the first single was you ever bought, and if you gave the wrong answer, you weren't allowed in Morrissey's backing band. Unfortunately, the first single I ever bought for myself properly, which was Cotton Eye Joe by Rednecks (laughs) on uh, on tape, however... If I told him the second single I'd ever bought in my own money on tape, which was England's Irie by Black Grape during Euro '96, he might have. He, hopefully, if he does have taste, which is debatable nowadays, but if he does, then he would have welcomed me with open arms. Excellent song, um, excellent band. I, I like you say. I'm, I'm rather a fan of their. Um, they're certainly Urtsat stylings. I mean, they. I mean, they, they were they they were spawned off the back of the Happy Mondo's, frankly, collapse and descent into chaos. Um, the, their, their fourth album, Yes Please, which was released in 1993, um, it managed to help bankrupt factory records. Um, I, I admitted that Tony Wilson's rash spending probably did most of that, but I don't think Yes Please was helpful to their future, uh, their fortunes. Um, the drug fueled antics in Barbados when they were recording was the, was oh, yeah. the final straw. But however, Sean Ryder co- formed um, Black Grape almost instantly, along along with Bez um, from the Mondays and uh, the rather beautiful. Well, if you ask me, if you ask anybody who Paul Leverage was, they probably couldn't tell you. However, he is known as Kermit. And we all know that Kermit is Kermit from the Happy Mondays, from the rather brilliantly named Ruthless Rap Assassins. You know, I might call a quiz team that at some point, if I do get to a pub quiz locally. But yeah, like you say, great band. I think that, um, the, uh, you know, some some brilliant music that they've made. Um I'd, I haven't I've only heard the one with the goggle eyes on it that was that was that was afterwards that actually had real googly eyes on it in in the, in the early editions of that came with googly eyes on the on the thing which I, I suspect again spent more money than it recouped when they rather long-suffering um, record label but um, I'm trying to work out what it's called it had three names on it and I can't remember stupid 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 that's what it was called I knew it was three words in a, in a row um, I I hadn't I haven't listened to much of their albums beyond It's Great When You're Straight Yeah and Stupid, 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 Stupid but I'm always happy to hear from Black Grape. Um, Sean Ryder is always a, a very interesting character. I have very much enjoyed him and Bez's appearances on Celebrity Gogglebox, in which they literally wear tan-coloured slacks and talk <laughs> about what crisps they're going to eat. They really do appear, and they wear those, you know, those weird sort of, those weird terry-toweling tops that you only see on market stalls. They wear those it's really weird and they look like something out of i don't know one of those 70s sitcoms but they they are i'm I'm pleased that they're back i'm sorry that Bez is no longer appearing in in a black grave but i always get the impression that you know you have to be in it for the long haul with sean ryder so maybe Bez just doesn't fancy being in a band with sean ryder anymore but um i'm uh i'm, I'm a big fan of them and i'm looking forward to them coming back i'm looking forward to hearing this new stuff Bez, of
2: course, the only person ever to have been um, sent off from the TV show Bargain Hunt for um, malpractice.
1: Yes, um, indeed. <laughs> him and Rowetta versus Jarvis Cocker and Candida from Polk, yes, if I uh, remember correctly. And
2: he got barred because he, his girlfriend was bidding on the items in the yes. sale of them.
1: <laughs> I mean, to uh, be honest, I'm surprised. I think that shows great innovation. I'm surprised <laughs> no one's done it before.
2: And um, Black Grape seems to be doing a mixture of in-store appearances in record shops and playing some festivals in the summer. So it's best to go and see them in a record
1: shop. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah, in-store appearances. Yeah,
2: uh, that would be good. Yeah, the new album Orange Head, released on nineteenth of January
1: twenty twenty-four. Looking
2: forward to that. Is there more? Yes, there's more. Uh, we look back at the uh, lives and careers of David Soule and Annie Nightingale, but hear from that glorious first album, This Black grey.
3: These men sing like so Don't talk to me about your
2: sounds so great back in 1995 number 17 in the uk black grape and kelly's heroes
1: jesus was a was batman no that was john wayne i mean genuinely bruce
2: wayne bruce wayne
1: bruce wayne that was it so so good such a i I haven't heard that in so long it was it's it's full of brio isn't it and by Mm. the way to go back to your sean Ryder on tv Mm. um I don't remember if you remember his appearance on TFI Friday in 1996. Oh, gosh, here's the a, one. Yes, his oh. appearance on TFI Friday was the reason why they stopped doing it live, because they did a version of Pretty Vacant, which did rather collapse into, into some swearing. And uh, and the, this interview in The Guardian said, has Chris Evans ever forgiven you for swearing loads? And Sean Reiter says, Chris was brilliant. He got fined so many times because of me. <laughs> I got banned for Channel 4 for a long time without." I do a lot of work for them now. Yes, he's on Google Boss. I never did any of that on purpose, and he makes a good point here. I have ADHD. If back then they knew that someone had a diff- learning difficulty and they banned them, it would be out of order now, wouldn't it? And yeah. I thought, well, oh, that's a good question. That shows a good point. It shows how how long we've sort of uh, we've sort of gone on now, really. But um, but yeah, I you know a really. Real, when hit just sort of hearing that again and, and thinking about Black Grapes music, it's just full of brio and it's just mm. sort of happy to be alive, isn't it, really? And yes. I really admire that. Now,
2: to anyone aged under 45, mm. <gasps> Juliet, I don't um, really
1: if, count though, because we all know I'm an old person in, in, well. a, in a youngish woman's body.
2: It's probably hard to imagine how big in terms of stardom were Paul Michael Glazer and David Soule in the American cop series Starsky mm. and Hutch. It ran from 1975 to 1979. And over here with a staple of primetime television, you were talking about Saturday nights. Well, uh, you know, yes. for your generation, generation before um, Starsky and Hutch was the Saturday tea time big show. David Soule played Hutch, the slightly more sensible foil to mm. uh, more broody Starsky as they raced around Los Angeles solving crimes. But David Soule had a music career in tandem Mm. with the success of Starsky and Hutch. Much more successful in the UK than in the States. Uh, Short run of success, five hit singles in 18 months. Two number ones, a two, an eight, and a 12. So um, let's be honest, his main audience, teen girls and mums. But uh, David Soule, a man before your time, though, I think, Jules.
1: Yes, he was rather. Although I believe that I have played him on my on my show um, Smooth Sailing previously. He would fit I, into that format. Neatly. I think he was requested by a friend of mine who used to whose requests used to tend towards the rather seventies mm. Um I did once, after weeks of badgering, eventually play Bye Bye Baby by the Bay City Rollers for her. She did request Silver Lady by David Soul, oh. which I was happy to play because it was actually quite good, and I liked the name of a, the the title of the album that it came from, which which is called Playing to an Audience of One. Yes, mm. David, I've done that many times mm. in my band. But, um, yeah, I'd, 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 let's say it before my time, like you say. But having said that, I remember being very interested in Starsky and Hutch when I was younger. It used to get repeated occasionally, and I thought it was really uh. cool. And, of course, who does not want to drive their car through a pile of cardboard boxes <laughs> on, the, on the way to a shootout? I was particularly interested as a teenager that was sort of – Channel 4 was still quite alternative when I was growing mm. up felt when i was sort of watching tv as a teenager in the late 90s early noughties, they used to repeat a lot of random stuff i remember at some point in the 90s they used to have theme nights this is long before the days of bbc4 mm. and bbc2 doing sort of theme nights and things and they had one that was about a tv that had previously been banned i think or had not been shown and they showed an episode of starsky and hutch called the fix Mm-hmm. Which had never been shown on British TV before. And it basically the, the storyline is that Hutch's girlfriend um is is got is a drug Kingpin's mod oh. attempting to start a new life. The Kingpin wants her back, and so he Hutch is abducted, and they get him addicted to heroin. They inject him with heroin, okay. and and the whole thing is is you know will will he divulge her hidden location? Um, it, you know it's it's all it's just very unexpected, isn't it really? So yeah, so when I think yeah. of David Holden, Darts, uh, Solen, and Hutch, I think of that very um that very strange um that that very strange sort of a. a, a Thing really, and mm. the idea that David David Soul being a heroin addict, very briefly in that, yes yeah, So so rather rather edgier than, of course, Huggy Bear as well that used to oh, think, yes. uh, turn up as well. So isn't that funny that David Soul was in that kind of really gritty kind of well, that was grittier than most people would associate Starsky and Hutch with, I think. And and yet he was this sort of teeny bopper artist. Um, I I like like you say his his is the sort of music which I've always. I've got various 70s compilations at home and I quite often skip over his songs. I must mm. say, it's not really for me. Or they're they're a bit bland. Like they are a bit Yes, bland. They are. Although Silver Lady was quite good. Mm. I didn't mind playing that. It was, uh,
2: don't give up on us, baby. Oh,
1: yes, I do know that one. But again, that's very sort of, well, I, I could be listening to Dr. Hook, which is better. That's what I feel yeah. a lot of the time about his stuff
2: it's funny you mentioned about addiction because the obituaries some some of them are focused on his issues with alcohol and also mm. that for 50 years he smoked 60 cigarettes a day Gosh. so you know, some might say he did well to make it to 80 I'm years i'm gonna old.
1: say that's pretty amazing really I, i'm he's, glad he's, i gave
2: up but in all seriousness I, my, I i chain smoked in my 20s i smoked 60 mm. a day and I got to about 28 and I thought, oh, God, this is just crazy. Yes. And I just stopped overnight, oh, never had goodness. one since. That's, I'm so that's glad.
1: amazing. That's mm-hmm. really good. I mean, I, I've got a friend that, that's in his 60s that smoked for years that gave up about a decade ago, had difficulties because he briefly took up crisps instead of cigarettes. So oh, I think he then yes. had to go on a sort of weight loss regimen. Mm-hmm. But um, but I admire anyone that can give up smoking like that. And it's, it's very strange how if you're around smokers, I mean, I've I've never smoked, but if you're around smokers, you become accustomed to it quite quickly. I had an ex partner that smoked really quite heavily. Um, I was trying to work out recently how often they smoked in a day, and I reckon they probably smoked between twenty and thirty a day. I would mm. say, um, so obviously not as heavy as not as heavy as you, but but still pretty heavy. I, I would class that as heavy if you have mm. more than, sort of more than ten in the day, really. And I never noticed it. Obviously, I, I knew that they smoked, never noticed it after we broke up i went to collect some clothes from from their house and oh, when i uh, took them home yes. they stunk of smoke yeah, and they'd yeah. never done that before At least i'd never noticed that before i'd never noticed that my stuff smelling of smoke when i used to be mm. around there and afterwards they really did and i remember when the smoking ban came in mm. and um and uh, my friend mel it'd only been in a couple of months and we were talking about whether or not it was it was it was you know, it was a good thing or not and and not many of us smoked so, so it didn't really affect us like that i remember my friend mel it's sort of as an evangel was in a sort of tele-evangelist style, saying to we "You know what the best thing is?" And then she picked up her cardigan we'd worn out to a nightclub, and she waved it in the air and went, "I could wear this again tomorrow <laughs> if I wanted, because uh, because the yeah. cardigan no longer smells of smoke." And yeah. although unfortunately the flip side to that was that I did learn going to gigs that people really smell. That was that was an unfortunate product yeah. of that. Yeah. You could smell you could smell the the hordes the um, the, the, the literally great unwashed amount you which was not great news but anyway uh, uh, aside from that r.i.p david soul i'm sorry yes
2: <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's been a real outpouring of um, love over the last uh, week or so throughout uh, all of the newspapers following the death of the presenter and DJ Annie Nightingale, mm. uh, the longest serving broadcaster at BBC Radio 1 and the longest career for a woman radio presenter. And we should also remember, of course, her excellent stint as a presenter on television, the Old Grey Whistle Test, in the late 70s, early 80s. Jules, I think you draw um, inspiration from Annie Nightingale.
1: Oh, very much so, yeah. I was very sorry to hear that she passed away. I I loved the fact she was still broadcasting until Christmas. She was still doing a show very late at night and still playing sort of AJ Tracy remixes. She was still listening to. She was still completely current. She was still interested in finding new music and narrators, which I think is really, really amazing. I, I mean, she, you know, like massive inspiration, as you say. When I first started doing radio seriously, really, I, I ended up with an evening slot on my local limited license radio station, had the Great Hastings Rock, which is still going. That's on. I think it's May. It's usually on. It's usually on for a month a year, and um, I'd. I'd arranged to do a show from no, a single one-off show from nine till midnight on a on or ten till midnight. I think I did. Oh, no, it was night and midnight on, on, mm. on a Tuesday evening. And at the end of the first show, they said to me, well, the bloke that was meant to be doing this slot for the rest of the run, the next three Tuesday nights from 9 till 12, um, isn't here. Um, he, he's, he's let us down. So do you fancy just doing it and just doing playlist shows and just, just doing normal presenting? And I said, yeah, all right, then why not? That sounds good. And I remember telling my mom, she went, oh, hark at you, Annie Nightingale. <laughs> and it genuinely felt like the greatest compliment. I was so pleased. If I could be a third as good as Annie Nightingale, I'd be delighted. Mostly because she just never stopped doing what she was doing she won the i think it was the mix mag cana of the year award when she was 60 i think at the sonar festival in the early 2000s my friend was in a drum and bass band in the late 90s and she played a lot of their music it was sort of going into the 2000s i can't remember for the life of what they're called now i'm sorry tristan I, I can't remember but um but she played a lot of their music, and. Um, and he said that they ended up going out with her as a result, and they would have been in their twenties at the time, and she was of course in her fifties or sixties. And uh, their view was that she drank them under the table every single time. She was an incredibly sort of uh, full of life, but enormously well respected as well around around um, around broadcasting. Partly uh, 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 two examples. Firstly. Every, it's so many of the big name female radio broadcasters have come out to say that she really encouraged them and that not only did she kick the door down for women in broadcasting or she kick it open, she held it open for women to come in after her as well she was a great source of advice for people like Joe Wiley and Zoe Ball, Clara Ampha, I mean different generations of broadcasters, female broadcasters really saw her as a help and I think that's brilliant also um, how i would completely forgotten, I'd read about this before and I, I forgot about it until I read her bitch. you might remember this from the Times city yeah. um when john lennon died um paul mccartney rang in to the gray whistle the old gray whistle test to speak to her live on air Oh no, I didn't. Re- I yeah. didn't remember she, she, that. Yeah. She, yeah, He he because they were talking about it, and and someone went to get her off the studio floor and said Paul is phoning for you, and she was like Paul, who's Paul? And it turned out that he had rung in and won and passed on with authority from Yoko Ono, and and to pass on mm. everyone's sort of thanks for for their sort of support. She was an incredible broadcaster, and um, I I'm really sorry she's gone. Um, I I'm just amazed and astounded that she had the long career that she did. She and the thing that was that was I liked about her was that she had the best balance of me and that she never changed or altered what she did or how she was I didn't think but she always she always moved with the times she liked new music so she realized that if you like new music and you're good at finding new music you just keep finding new music, don't you? You don't stop, mm, and you don't because mm. I think a lot of broadcasters, as great as I think some of Tony Blackburn's shows are, I think a lot of broadcasters get to a certain point and then they start looking back towards the past, don't they? And I mean, yeah, speaking as someone true. that's done radio shows for years that largely draw from the past, I, you know, I, I, I can't say I'm not guilty of that myself, but. I think to continue to be an innovator when your brand is an innovator, I think there are lots of edgy people that stop doing that and trade on past glories and she never did, I don't think. Yes, of course she was known for her sort of heyday stuff, but she never trade she she did write books which are excellent and I will mention one of them at the end of the show, but she she mm-hmm. never she never um she she never sort of she could have done the nostalgia circuit forever and she didn't. Mm-hmm. She kept broadcasting and she kept broadcasting new music. And I think that's amazing. RIP Annie Nightingale. She was a legend.
2: It's a coincidence you mentioned Tony Blackburn because one sort of am- amusing, I suppose, bizarre mm. memory I have is of Annie Nightingale falling out with Tony Blackburn in the 70s mm. when Annie Nightingale was then. It wasn't anything to do with her, but her then husband, Binky Baker.
1: Oh, yes.
2: Put out a single in sort of tribute in inverted commas to Blackburn and it just went, Tony Blackburn, Tony Blackburn, Tony Blackburn, just sort of like over and over and over. (laughs) And the real Tony Blackburn took offence and a schism was created. Um, For the for the reason I'll explain, I didn't listen much to her Sunday evening shows on Radio One because um, I was on local radio at exactly the same time. Well, that seems fair. I mean, I'd have struggled
1: to choose if I was around. Well, I
2: I can imagine it would have been a tough choice. It would have uh, been really difficult. Um, it, it was a, actually it was a great slot to have because I, I I don't know about Annie but I was I was like at that times what a very early 80s playing ABC Teardrop Explodes Donald Fagen oh, right yes. and getting tons of letters um, every week from 17 year olds who listened while doing their last minute homework on a right. Sunday oh, of that's, oh
1: that's that's a really was, nice slot actually
2: it, it was yeah um, no, she was a really good presenter though she had a lovely warm touch that I think it, it, it led to a sort of genuine connection with her audience.
1: Yes, very much agree. She had she was just someone that was very approachable and I just love the fact that she just liked that the, the she the young people loved her because she just loved things being new and I think that is just so cool and um she uh she was a notorious kind of she she lived in Brighton for many years and she uh, her children still live or well, one of them still lives in the local local area to that I think and uh yeah her her house was a bit of a notorious party house I think but again <laughs> much like David saw on his cigarette habit I'm slightly surprised that Annie Nightingale lived oh, to the Christ. age that she did really they <laughs> built people differently then clearly.
2: The story you said earlier about uh, you know uh, meeting up with people and then hanging out with them. Um, this week in part of the sort of tributes, um, Chris Needs, um, mm. he used to be the um, editor of Zigzag magazine yes, back in, right. in, in the day, um, he recounted on Facebook this week a time when Annie Nightingale came to um, uh, Aylesbury to the the club, the venue that uh, Chris Needs and others sort of ran, mm. there were various bands on there, and um, she sort of turned up but didn't go home for about three or four days you know just <laughs> <laughs> reveling in the glories of Aylesbury for three or four days with with Chris Needs. So, I mean uh, we wouldn't
1: frankly well, I'm quite, sure a lot right. goes on in Aylesbury.
2: Yes thanks very much for being with us this week good to have you there.
1: I echo my my learned friend sentiments as always.
2: It is eight years this month since David Bowie died Jules.
1: I know I, I can't believe it it, it feels like only yesterday in some ways, although someone said there to me the other day, there is a uh, there is a big argument with the fact that he was the thing that was holding the world together mm. and uh, his departure from this plane wrought a ton of hell on us. But anyway, I thought I'd pick this tune partly because I really like sort of slightly later period Bowie. I think a lot of his slightly later stuff gets very overlooked and I really like this. It's from the album Heathen and I think this is really sweet. Um, but I also picked this um, and it reminds me again of the, I was thinking about Annie Knight and I was also thinking about Madonna saying hello to the wrong, the wrong, <laughs> the wrong town um, where she was, the wrong city. Uh, so Annie Knight has written a couple of books, and her later book, which came out about three years ago, which is really good, actually, it came out in October 2020, and she did an excellent interview with the excellent Jude Rogers, plugging it for The Guardian, which I would recommend. Her book is called Hey, Hi, Hello. So I thought as a tribute to, to Madonna forgetting where she was and lovely Annie Nightingale, and Hey, Hi, Hello. Um, I thought we'd have this by uh, by David Bowie And everyone says hi
0: Said you took a big trip They said you moved away Happened all so quietly They say Should've took a picture Something I could keep Big mm
1: listening to a parish council production only